What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We have a very fun and kind of a unique uh, story for you today. So we sit down with Kelsey Keitel, and she is an outdoor-based mental health counselor, and she is also the host of the Switchback Outdoors podcast. So I know I just threw a lot at you. Kelsey has experience in the counseling space, particularly in education and with high school students. So that is where she got her start as a high school counselor. And throughout uh, her time in the education system, saw some things that could be improved and decided to take matters into her own hands and now runs her own private counseling practice. But she utilizes the outdoors and hiking uh, as a way to kind of tap into different parts of the brain and provoke different emotions with her counseling services. Uh, so we, we kick things off with that, kind of how she got to where she is now. Then we get a great discussion about the education system itself and how it can be improved and some things she saw while she was in the heat of it. And then we get into some pivots that she made with her business. Uh, we spent a good amount on knowing your worth and pricing. You know, as business owners, we kind of struggle with, oh, is it time to increase my prices? I've been learning a lot, got some more experience. I'm better at what I'm doing. So we have a very good discussion on pricing yourself and making sure that you are charging what you are worth without you know, going too low, too high, right out of the gate. Uh, Tim, what do you think about our conversation with Kelsey today? Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Like, obviously, m- mental health—it's—it's it's becoming more of a common discussion, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's so important. So it was good to talk to someone who specializes in that, and especially with like a unique twist with her business. And both you and I were outdoors people, so of course we. And part of her business is taking people to hiking trails and different places around Indianapolis. So we kind of ask her what her go-to places are. So if you're an Indianapolis local looking for like a new place to go, she shares some some pretty cool places that even we haven't been to. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to check those out. Um, and then we also ask her like, what has she learned as an entrepreneur? What are the, some of the things that she's gone through that not a lot of people like know what happens behind the scenes? So I thought that was extremely interesting to hear about that. And then obviously like we wanted to ask about her podcast. So she has her, her switch back outdoors podcast and what her approach with that is, how she formed that its mission and kind of what she's learned through that process. And she gave us a nice little sticker to put uh, on her laptops for it. So yeah, my laptop's got, looking good right laptop now. Stickers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then of course we end the show, I kind of talk about how she wants to be remembered. And then I was curious, like I asked her like, does everyone need some form of mental health counseling or some type of practice or some type of, uh, like self-improvement. So I really liked her answer to that. So that you'll, great, you'll, great you'll kind question. of find, you'll kind of find that out uh, there at the end. Um, so I know you guys are going to get a lot of like unique information from this episode. And um, I, I just think a lot of things you can apply in your own life too. So uh, without further ado, episode 168, Kelsey Keitel. All right. Uh, so let's just kind of, you know, maybe intro yourself for people listening who might not know the story of Kelsey. And how do you say your last name? So oh, yeah. Keitel. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this can go one or two ways <laughs> and I'm going to butcher it if I don't ask. Yeah. So maybe just give a, a quick rundown, um, kind of who you are, what you're doing and how we got to this point, And then we'll kind of dive in the weeds a little bit. Okay, sweet. Um, so yeah, my name is Kelsey Keitel. I am an outdoor-based mental health counselor and educator. Um, so I primarily meet with clients on hiking trails um, to just do mental health counseling, um, and then I also do a lot of like education and programming along with that. So right now I'm finishing up a project 
um, where I developed a five-week workshop series with a parks department about mental health in the outdoors. Um, and we really focused in on mindfulness for that. So, um, yeah, I just do, like, programming and things to just help people incorporate outdoors into their mental health care. Um, and then on the side of that, I also have a podcast um, called Switch Back, an outdoor community podcast, where we just talk a lot about deep topics in the outdoors, but essentially the point of the show is to um, decrease barriers of access to outdoor recreation. And we just do that through interviews and storytelling and just like honest conversations. So that's what I'm doing. That's That's awesome. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. When, like when you first developed the, uh, the mental health counseling Mm -hmm. piece of it, was that always going to incorporate outdoors or like did one come first or how did the, how did you kind of merge those and how that idea come? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I used to be a high school counselor. Okay. Um, I did that for three years and kind of along the way, I just started experimenting a little bit with students the way I was working with them. Uh So I would notice like someone would come into my office and they're super fired up, maybe really angry about something that just happened. And I noticed that sitting at a desk across from one another, like that was really not that helpful for someone in that kind of emotional state. And so I would kind of pick up on that. If someone came in super fired up or even just like really anxious, uh, which I, I saw a lot of anxious kids, I would say, hey, do you want to go for a walk while we talk? And we would just walk either in the hallways or around the school building outside. And there's quite a bit of research with the bilateral movement. So like the act of walking, Mm -hmm. that can just be very helpful. So I started doing that with students and noticed that it worked really well. Um, So um, as I started thinking about my own practice, which how I decided to switch into private practice is like another story. But uh, we'll get into all the things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So as I started thinking about my own practice, I also noticed, um, well, so I had that piece of um, knowing how walking was helping my clients, but then I also had just personal experience with the outdoors being very therapeutic in my own story. So um, I grew up like in the city, um, but we went camping like every weekend, Mm -hmm. and that was just kind of what we did as a family. And... um, kind of lost that along the way when I became a teenager I thought it was really embarrassing that that's what our family (laughs) did Uh, and kind of rejected that but then later in um, like my early 20s went through just like a lot of junk Um, I yeah just some relational changes and um, my dad actually had died and um, the way that I dealt with those things was by going outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a rock climber and I also cycle and backpack and just mm-hmm. do all the things outside. And so um, that was where I did like my work, where nice. I really processed through things. So I kind of took like the, um, like what I noticed with students and mm-hmm. then what I knew to be true in my own life and decided that that was the kind of practice that I wanted to have. Very nice. That's awesome. It's really meaningful. Yeah, I, now that I think about it, the uh, 
the high school counselor where I went to school, I think they the their office like didn't have any windows in it. Yeah, so mine like, didn't. Yeah, you'd think yeah. that like when when the school designates who has what office, they'd give it a at least some natural light or something in there. Oh yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> That's good. What what kind of motivated you to go down the the counselor route? Like, what is that something that, that was always in the back of your mind, or had that? Yeah, I um, I think deep down, I always knew that I would work in the helping professions in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the first person in my family to go to college, okay. and when I went to college, I had no idea really why I was going or what I wanted to study, <laughs> which I have found through my work that is very common for first-generation college students. A lot of them, they go because they've heard this promise that going to college is going to give them a life better than what they had. And in some cases, that can be true. But uh, so a lot, I think a lot of first-gen students go in kind of blindly. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I took a lot of classes that were just things I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And finally, one year, an advisor was like, you know all these classes make up a major, right? And so that major was human development and family studies. We called it the mom major. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I also did a minor in human sexuality. And so through, like, some internships, I I did an internship at the Sexual Assault Crisis Services on campus down at IU. Um, That was really enlightening. I also did some volunteer work at like a women's shelter um, for people who were fleeing domestic violence situations. Um, So did a lot of like trauma work. Just kind of realized that was the type of work that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And my high school counselor did have a really um, positive impact on my life. So I thought I would try school counseling. Um, And the program that I did for that Um, at Butler, it was kind of like a buy one, get one program in a way, where if you do the school counseling program, you can kind of expedite the process to becoming a licensed mental health counselor. So that was why I I chose to go to Butler, and um, I did that. So I I thought that I would go, I thought I would work in education for at least five years, maybe 10 max before transitioning. And I made it three, <laughs> and then I transitioned. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Also, I can be like kind of long-winded, so feel free to interrupt me. Well, this show is all about you, so okay. um, you just keep talking. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, so you only made it three years. What kind of issues did you see within the education system um, that you weren't a proponent of anymore where you thought, hey, I can do this better on my own? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess... Long question short, what do you think needs to be changed to keep good people in the education system that are there for the right reasons? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people are sick of hearing this, but... Oh, yes. Let's, let's <laughs> light some fires. I've got a big butt over here. <laughs> um, just, like, first and foremost, education needs to pay better. And and people are sick of hearing that, Um but, I mean, you get what you pay for. So one of the arguments with, uh, like, when educators are asking for more money, one of the arguments that's always given is, like, well, a lot of these, like, my student has had some really bad teachers. They probably have because, at least in, in Indiana, I can't speak for all states, but in Indiana, like, it's so easy to become a teacher because we're desperate for teachers because mm. people are leaving the profession in masses. And so while I'm talking about teachers, 
I was a counselor. Um, in Indiana, many counselors are on a teacher contract, even though to be a school counselor, you're required to have a master's degree. Hmm. And you're not required to do that to be a teacher, but we're on the same contract in, in most school districts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but it's, it's really even deeper than just paying them more. Um, like what you're, I mean, you guys know this as, um, as entrepreneurs, like the cost of something directly communicates its value. Mm-hmm. And so if you um, are telling an educator you are only worth this much money, what you're really telling them is like, we only value your work this much. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of educators are starting to recognize the value of their service and the work that they do. And that's why they are demanding more money or they're leaving and taking their valuable skills and assets elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really think that is is a huge part of the problem, like the pay, but like the root of it really is like valuing educators, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And where do you think that that funding comes from? Because I think in the last few years, I think Indiana had some sort of education reform bill. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you think we get better funding for teachers? Because I, I agree with you. I think teachers, like, look, they're going to spend more time with your kids than the parents are yeah. every day from kindergarten through high school, college, like they're going to really help mold your kids. So I think them and military should be paid a whole lot more. But how, how do we start to tap into that? Is that is that a budget issue? Is that just we need more money in general? Uh, how, do, how do you think that plays out? Yeah, I, I'll i be honest. I, I don't really know the answer. Um, I think some of it has to do with um, with what's kind of starting to happen is educators really like making it a problem for their school districts to figure out. And so a school district recognizes we are losing all of these amazing educators. This is our problem. We need to figure out how to better allocate the funding that we have. Because school districts, they, they have money. Like they... And they get to decide how they want to allocate those funds. And so you can, you know, build a new baseball stadium or you can figure that out later and increase your teacher pay, which is going to help you retain valuable educators, which then is going to make more people want to move into your school district because your school is so good and the education you're providing is so good. More people move into that community which then increases the revenue that that community has, which then increases the funding that can go into the district. So while I, I do believe that it is an it is like a, a macro issue in that like education in this state needs better funding. I don't know where that comes from. I don't understand it, <laughs> and I won't I won't pretend like I do. But even um, from there, it goes into the districts, and then districts like they are the stewards of their their staff um Mm -hmm. and and they have to decide how to use that funding and um but i think 
for so long, it hasn't really been a problem. Like people have been content with making X amount of money. Um, and, and they, you, I can't tell you how many teachers I hear say like, oh, you don't do it for the money. And like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you like, yes, you do. That's the whole reason you have a job is that you have to make money. And maybe you have a, a spouse or someone who makes more money and so you're able to offset it and be like, you know, yeah, like we're fine. Sure. But at the end of the day, the whole reason teachers, like the whole reason you have that job is because you have to have a job to make money. And so that is something that kind of frustrates me when I hear educators or people in other helping professions. Like I, I see this in the counseling world as well, like saying that, you do this. You don't do this work for the money. You do it for the other um, rewards, and I just I I get it, but I don't think it's true. Yeah, which like we all do stuff we love. Like we're all doing businesses we love to do, but it's like we're doing it for money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to make more and more money with everything I'm doing. Yeah. that's the game. Uh, but yeah, like I still love it. I've done mm-hmm. it for free a lot of years before. Uh, but yeah, to your point, you know, those same people are like, oh, then I don't make that much. It's like, but you don't do it for the money, right? Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Let, let's have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did you see in uh, during your time in education mm-hmm. outside of the payment? Any issues mm-hmm. with like, because I have a big gripe with curriculums. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I think we could make it more interesting for kids. I think people are disengaged because it's the same song and dance. It's this math, and it's algebra one, algebra two, trig, it's calculus. I mean, I I think there can be changes. I don't have all the answers. I'm no teacher, but I know the way I learned, like, I have to be fascinated in it. Mm -hmm. I can't have a business teacher who only knows how to teach business who's never run a business. Mm -hmm. I I need real application. Um, So what else did you see? Were there curriculum issues? Do you think that is a problem, or is that me just kind of bitching and moaning? Uh, I think I think there's some truth to that. Uh, something I have noticed that that students are craving, and I think you guys could probably identify with this as well. Um, they're learning a lot of your traditional subjects, so you know, science, math, English, which mm. are all important. Um, right. However, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying we don't need those yeah, things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but um, the what students are really craving is. Like, how do I do my taxes? I just got mm. my first job and like, you know, okay, maybe your parents are just going to file them for you. But when I leave this place, how am I going to do my taxes? How am I going to renew my car insurance? Like all of those adulting things. How am I going to manage my money? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, how, how do I, I live life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how am I going to function as an adult? And like... The Pythagorean theorem or whatever, like it has its purpose. Yeah, I don't but... need no negative plus or minus b squared with the square root. Fun fact: of... I did a presentation on that for my math class. Right. That was my topic. The Pythagorean. Oh. Theorem. See, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about, man. Like, I spent hours doing a project on that. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I mean, and those things like so. I'll I'll use math for an example. For me, I am I'm terrible at math. Like. I took finite six times in college. I thought so I don't even know what that is. I still don't know what it is. So I took it six times. <laughs> it's, um, and so, yeah, I uh, num- that's something that I've kind of got to 
collaborate with other people on when I need to figure out numbers stuff. Um, but what what it did teach me was, you know, perseverance and like I wasn't going to graduate without finite, so I had to figure out how to at least pass it. Um, and so you do learn some of those other like soft skills through those things. Mm. But, but yeah, I, I've noticed kids are really craving those real life application things. Um, and kids are really craving, um, so they want someone to tell them that there are other ways to live your life beyond just going to a four-year university after here and getting a job that you might not really like, but you're told those are like the four main job options that you have. Um, and, and kids are smart. Like they're starting to understand like you can um, get like two semesters of a trade program and make $80,000 a year fresh out of call or high school, essentially. Um, and like, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Or you can go get the equivalent of a master's degree and a half, go get a job in education and make $44,000 a year like I did. Yeah. So... Um, kids are smart and, and they're recognizing that there's more than one formula for how to be successful in the world, um, which is something that I, I am, I feel very passionately about that. I want people to understand like going to college is not the only way to have a successful life. Mm Um, so I guess to your question about curriculum, I think just the more real world application stuff that we can weave into the curriculum the better Mm -hmm. um yeah another thing i noticed that happens in education is there's quite a bit of like um weaponizing self-care is kind of how i like to phrase it so uh, which it's essentially just gaslighting but um let's say you've got a caseload as a school counselor you've got a caseload of 400 kids you're responsible for all of them um you in order to do that job justice with a caseload that large you are going to be working at home every week you're going to be working at home beyond your your workday hours mm-hmm. you're not getting any paid any extra time for that but in order to do the job well it you it's like a non-negotiable. And so then you come in to work and while you're trying to just make sure your 400 kids are on track to graduate, you also have students coming in unexpectedly having emotional needs, which is another part of the job. Um, and so some of your to-do list completely gets thrown in the trash, um, which is it's a part of any job. but that happens and then you're feeling like you get to December like the end of the first semester and you're incredibly burned out and you're frustrated because you're working so hard and you're not making enough money and you probably have a second job and you hear like a leadership person in your building saying well you just need to you need to do more self-care like you're not you're not taking good enough care of yourself that's why you're so burned out and it's like no, no, that's not my fault. Like, first off, I don't have time for self-care with this role. But second, like, even if I 
even if I did, if I'm doing all the right self-care things, that doesn't fix like how screwed up the system is. So going back to like that caseload number, the American School Counseling Association, which is like our professional organization, um, it recommends a ratio of one counselor for every 250 students. But that is so rare. I cannot tell you how rare that is. Um, And I mean, I was at a school where we had 10 counselors on our team. And that's still, like, my first year there, I had 400-something students on my caseload. Um, So it was a big school. But, like, Mm -hmm. even small schools, um, it's very rare to have that appropriate ratio. And that's a funding issue. And I think even 250 is a lot. It is for, a lot. For, for one mm-hmm. person. Yeah, it seems like, like a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, let alone 400. Yeah. Now it's, it's almost a disservice to the kids. For sure. And I'm sorry, I'm not sure if you mentioned, what age group were you counseling? I was high school. You so, were high school. Uh, okay, so 9 like through the, 12. The peak of like all the issues, the anxiety, the... Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, relationship stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah. Man, Okay. And so, you know, you have, and you're trying your hardest to, like, remember all your kids' names and make them truly feel like you care about each and every one of them. And it's hard. Um, I mean, it's it's good work, and I, I loved it. But, um, I mean, the value of the service that I was providing was not matched uh, with compensation. Um, and that was one of the reasons I left. Um, which is sad because I, I mean, you could ask other people, I'm speaking for myself, but I would say that I'm very good at that job. Um, I, I know that I am and I worked very hard and to not have that matched, it was just, it got to a point where I was just like, this is unacceptable and I have other things that I'm trying to do with my life mm-hmm. and I can't do it like, um, making $44,000 a year when right. I have six figures of student debt. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing, paying how much for college and then what you're able to make coming out of it. It's it's flip flopped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like how can I pay you almost two hundred grand and barely make forty? Yeah. Like I know I have no skills, <laughs> but something is not connected there. Yeah. Uh, so what did that look like when you finally said, "Hey, I had enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into business for myself." Uh, what, what Take us through that process of, okay, I'm going to start this business. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it has been, like, in tandem, it has been the most exciting and hardest thing I've ever done. Um, yeah. I So I decided um, around December of this past school year that I was going to going to start my own business. And so um, I I did finish out the whole school year, um, but I just, I told them shortly after the new year that I was going to, I was going to leave. I wanted to give them plenty of time to find a good candidate to replace me and, and all of that. But um, I, like I said earlier, I knew eventually I would do this. So I kind of already had in my mind, like, okay, first thing, like, I need to be able to market what I'm doing, I need to be able to find clients, um, and because of how demanding the, well, so I'll, 
I will I'll go back and I'll say this because of how demanding the school counseling role was I knew that I could not do that and launch my practice at the same time um, at least for me to be able to do well at those things I just knew I couldn't do them both so I made the decision to to just quit my job and start my new one love it um and some people may say that was not wise and i would say every like three days i asked myself if that was the right thing to do sounds familiar (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but that's i with for me i'm a big like you gotta go all in with something if you like tiptoe around it you're never gonna like jump in so true so that was the approach that I decided to take. So yeah, so I finished that job. Um, I like to use the term that I finished my job rather than I quit my job. Um, to me, that, that terminology matters. Um, so I finished up the school year and um, just kind of started. So I had a website um, and just had laid out on there the services that I offer. I started... Um, joining some Facebook groups of like other counseling practices so I could tell um, other practitioners in the area who may have wait lists, hey, if you need a someone to refer to, I'm taking new clients, please pass them my way. Cool. Um, I also, I've used Facebook quite a bit, um, actually. There's, there's like a Facebook group called Hike Indiana, um, and I posted in there about my practice, just thinking, okay, people who who like to recreate this way would probably be interested in my model of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started using social media. Um, I started hanging like business cards up in windows. Like I have a flyer hanging in Yats on college. Nice, you know, nice. like just just started hanging things in. Good product placement. Yes. <laughs> just trying that way. And um, the Facebook posts really helped. Um, it, it was getting me referrals like the the post in the hiking group went like it had a lot of engagement um and from there uh a local news station found out about my practice and so they ran a story on it and I've gotten some leads from that which has been good um so it's it's been slow I would say like just a slow build Um, I was able to spend most of the summer really refining everything on the back end. So figuring out what is my intake process going to be like? What is my my pricing going to look like? Like figuring out all those things on the back end. That's what I spent most of the summer doing. Mm -hmm. And then this fall is when I really started seeking clients. Um, So I feel like by doing it that way, I was really ready then um, when I did start getting clients like I had all the back end stuff figured out which for me like gave me a good peace of mind good yeah it's a lot to like oh what am I gonna charge how are people gonna get a hold of me um but that's cool you spent those few months because I've told Tim I hate like processes like Mm -hmm. writing processes and manuals and for like when I scale oh this is how you schedule an appointment open calendars (laughs) get it you know so um, good on you for getting all that done. And then how do you do, uh, like, are you monthly with clients? Do you have contracts like three months at a time? How, how does that set up kind of work? Yeah, so um, my clients, uh, we kind of choose how the frequency that we meet based on their needs. 
Um, generally, people are coming for weekly therapy, cool. so once a week. But I do have some clients who uh, we meet just once a month, um, and I also like we could do every other week. It really depends on the client's needs. One thing that's different in counseling compared to other industries is that you don't have a contract or anything like that. So, um, like, I could meet with someone four times, and then they decide either they don't like working with me or they decide they don't need counseling anymore or for whatever reason they decide to terminate our relationship. They can just do that then. Um, So... Um, it really is focused on like what the client needs and what's best for them, um, but yeah, that's that's how that works. Um, so, in terms of payment, people just pay at the time of service is Got how it. I do it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Is there any big like pivots or like changes you've made with your business like based on your interaction with with clients? Yeah, like anything you, big you've had to change? Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I that has really been like trial or trial and error for me has been re- regarding my my pricing. Okay. Um, a little bit, so um, I I think I was undercharging a bit at first, mm-hmm. which I think is common for new entrepreneurs. Definitely. You're just like desperate for yep. people to definitely. How's <laughs> same with me? Yep. Yeah. Um, and and I was overcomplicating things a little bit too. So I'll give an example. Um, in the counseling world, it's very common to offer a free consultation. Um, I didn't. I didn't want my consultations to be free. Um, I really feel like my time is is worth a certain amount, and especially in counseling, like no matter how hard you try to have boundaries, you're doing a little bit of counseling during a consultation. Like mm-hmm. it just it happens, and so. Um, at first, I had this like three tier system where it was like, if you do, a, uh, so my consultations are 30 minutes long. So it was like, if you do a 30 minute phone consultation, it's free, but then virtual, it's $10. But then hiking, if we do a hiking one, it's $15. And it was just like <laughs> all this, <Yeah. laughs> all this stuff. Um, and since then, I have completely changed the way I do consultations. So Again, you could call me. We can talk for 15 minutes, and that's not going to cost you anything. Like, if you have some questions, that's fine. Um, But if you would like to do an in-person consultation, uh, we would do that at the office. I'm not offering hiking consultations anymore. Um, And it's $50, which is less than half of of a a typical session. So it's still, like, a good fee, but it's... um, I think it's more appropriate for what's what's happening. Also, mm-hmm. the client has a little more skin in the game, and so they're more likely to follow through, which I think is very important. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to stop having the hiking consultations, um, mostly out of safety for me. So, um, if you've never met the person before, just meet. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. smart. Like, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so at first I was doing that because I wanted, I wanted to know, I wanted to be able to assess this person's fitness level and I wanted to be able to know, like, are you really, like, maybe, like, do you like the idea of hiking while we talk? (laughs) But like, is it, that going to be difficult for you? Yeah, do a great show the other day. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's not therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Breakdown in. (laughs) Yeah, 
it's like that's that's not therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. But then I just was I like, I would have never thought about that. <laughs> you said it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> therapeutic pain. Yes. So then I just decided, you know, what, I'm gonna meet with them in an office. I think we can be honest with each other. I can recognize if someone's gonna. You know, and, and I Pass also out on you and yeah, some rocks and, yeah, <laughs> and I also have all levels of hikes that I do as well. So like, we can. <clears throat> that's just not necessary. So that is something that I've I've changed a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything else that I've I've adjusted. That was a big one, and in mm-hmm. my pricing in general, I, I like yeah. I said, I adjusted that because um, what I started to realize was that. The type of therapy that I'm offering, it is an entirely different service than meeting with someone in in an office. Mm-hmm. I do offer in office, um, and I also offer virtual therapy. But for the outdoor sessions, that is like a very unique service, mm-hmm. and so it deserves sure. its own pricing. And for a while, I was really hesitant to do that because I was scared, like most people are, that no one would want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this kind of goes along like with what we were talking about with education. You have to know like the value of what you're offering. Like I and that would be like my number one piece of advice for anyone who is even if you're just doing like an Etsy shop and you're selling, you know, portraits or whatever, like before you really get started, you need to have a, a solid understanding of your value and your products or services value. And because if you don't know it, no one else is going to know it, and they're going to they're going to decide what the value is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you will that'll lead you to the people who one they do see that value, and two like they are able to afford that value. It's going to lead you to your ideal clients, really. Mm-hmm. So that's been a challenge for me, and um, and that what I thought was my ideal client actually wasn't my ideal client at first um and so i've had to refine that and adjust which then that also adjusts how you're marketing where you're marketing the language you're using i mean if your your ideal client changes everything changes essentially in my mind at least and so um yeah that's been a learning curve along the way and just really trusting that my ideal client exists mm-hmm. and that they they'll they will see the value and that they'll buy in yeah and then what do you do um during like winter months for hiking is it like hey suck it up bundle up we're going <laughs> or is that more in office stuff during when it's cold season yeah so uh it can be a combination a lot of it depends on the client so if i've got someone who is a seasoned high, uh, outdoors person, they love being out in all seasons. They would probably be like, "Yeah, let's bundle up and just two inches of snow out. Let's do it." You know, um, the tough ones out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have to be selective on the terrain that we go on, then though, making sure it's not icy and all that. But um, yeah, so I, I may have people who are cool with going out in all weather. Um, if if the weather is undesirable for them or let's say it's like super icy and not safe 
they've got some options. We can reschedule and take our chances on the next week, um, which in Indiana, who knows? Right. <laughs> 80 in December, you know. <laughs> you never yeah. know. Snow in July. You know. <laughs> um, so we can reschedule. We could also uh, switch to a virtual session that day so they could stay home. I'll stay home and we'll, we'll do it that way. Or uh, we can meet in the office. Um, and so, like I, I mentioned earlier, um, if they typically are paying for the outdoor um, price, if we meet in the office or if we meet virtually, I'm going to honor that. Like, I'm going to let them pay that mm-hmm. cost instead because it is a different service. Um, so, yeah, that's how we navigate it. Some people yeah. are cool with it, and some people are like, no, I don't want to walk in the rain. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> What's... Uh... What's your like Rolodex of hiking spots look like? Like how long's your list? Like do you and I guess I you kind of mentioned it how you determine it based on their fitness level or like the difficulty, but uh, yeah, how big is your list and what are some of the factors that go into to deciding which one you pick? Tim's looking for new spots. Oh. I am. I, I like hiking for sure. <laughs> That's a, I actually really have been wanting to create like a, a hidden gems Indianapolis like hiking guide. Oh or yeah. Something. So, yeah, cool. um, but yeah, I can share some with you. That's one thing that suggested too. Actually, when I first started, I kind of had this idea that I would I have this like map of like the greater Indianapolis area, basically. Mm-hmm. And I would find out where the person was coming from, where I'm coming from. And I would like triangulate that and find something that would fit within there. And I just had way too many options. Mm-hmm. And so then a lot of my time was then spent like driving across town. to. to mm. And so I actually have narrowed my offerings down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the spots that I choose to go to, there's some... Um, there's a lot of entrances to Eagle Creek Park. So oh, yeah. Beyond just cool. the entrances where you pay to get in, there's quite a few um, free entrances to the park. So um, I, I do try to choose free entrances, free places for people because they're already paying, like me. Um, so a couple of spots. Um, Scott Starling Nature Sanctuary, that is on the northwest side of Eagle Creek. It's a free entrance. It's beautiful. I actually just did like a group hike there um, last weekend. Um, And then um, on the south, southwest side of Eagle Creek, Galleons Bear. It's like that big um, copper, like metal bear uh statue i don't know if you've ever mm, ever mm, seen it no, but I don't think so. um yeah it's uh so that's another entrance that you can get into um holiday park is a great option mm-hmm. um uh fort harrison if people mm. have a park pass or if they're okay with paying like the the fee to get in there um is is another great option um, but also just common places like the Monon or the Fall Creek Greenway. Um, I really want to to meet people like where they are so that they can start to associate just outdoor spaces that they encounter like in their everyday life as like therapeutic places. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of the approach that I take with counseling is... Um, I, I don't want my clients to need me. Um, and so, like, I'm not going to string someone along for years and years and years. If I'm doing my job right, they are gaining the skills to be able to 
to navigate life on their own without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the parks in mind, I want them to start to recognize a walk around their neighborhood can be just as therapeutic as like going on a trail in the woods with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just learning how to like change their perspective on things in that way. So, um, yeah, but so like a greenway, like the Monon is perfect for someone who maybe they're not comfortable hiking on like a rugged trail, but they still want to get some of that movement in. They want to talk in the fresh air. Um, like some people, they're just not comfortable sitting on a couch staring at you, like talking about what, what's going on. And that's, that's okay. So yeah, I've, I've got like a variety of like terrains and, Mm -hmm. Um, that's the biggest thing I keep in mind is like length of hike, difficulty of like the grade or the technicality mm-hmm. of the trail, and then um, the actual like what type of surface it is mm-hmm. and try to figure out where they're coming from and where I'm coming from and what's a good good middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got quite a list. Um, I'll say I never knew half these places existed. <laughs> yeah, I, the one uh, that you talk about northwest of... Eagle Creek. Oh, Scott Park. Starling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to check that one out. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some others, um, the Eco Lab at Marion University. Parking there can be kind of iffy. Like there's mm-hmm. there's visitor parking, but it's a college campus, so you know sometimes visitor parking gets full. But um, there's some really sweet little trails um, down in there. Um, if someone's coming from south, um, Southwest Way. Um, which is like a mountain bike and hiking park. I don't use that one a lot because it is like a really good mountain biking destination. And so you don't want to have to be like looking over our shoulders the whole time while we're talking, looking out for riders and stuff. Um, It helps that I, like I do a lot of hiking myself and I also mountain bike. So I I understand like what areas are going to be good and what areas are going to be distracting. Um, But yeah, there's... There's so many, like, hidden gem just spots mm-hmm. in Indy. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So you think you'll still, like, I know with your clients and stuff, you, you're you more picky and choosy about where you're going. Mm-hmm. Are you still going to try to build some almost, like, travel hiking guide? Like, I don't know. I think that would be cool because I don't know any good spots outside of, like, Brown County, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I know, Tim, you're applying to write for, is it Golf Digest? Mm-hmm. So he's applying to write for Golf Digest, go around the country and just play different golf courses. Uh, so I didn't know if that'd be something you would do like for greater Indianapolis area uh, hiking trails, like start your own, almost like pizza review barstool style for hiking. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, uh, this one has some shitty roots. Um, some mean things really sticking out of the ground. So be careful on this one. It's 7.7. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just like laughing over here because when I think of Barstool Sports, the only thing I can think of is the Call Her Daddy show. And so I'm imagining like <laughs> that style of show talking about hiking trips. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, um, yeah. Whole new segment of your podcast. We'll, we're just recreating everything. Here. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, we have a sexy trail up here on the north side. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be thinking about that all day now. <laughs> Great, I've ruined her day. It's not even 11 o'clock. <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, I don't know what'll come of it. As of now, I'm thinking about just creating, like, like a, my top 10, you know, hiking spaces in mm-hmm. central Indiana, maybe making it, like, a 
top 10 free like hiking spaces in Indiana that you might not know about and and just offering that as a resource something that I I think is really important is like serving your audience before you're selling to them Um, and I don't know that everyone would totally agree with it but what I mean by that is like if you're only selling things to people like you're only going to reach the people who have already decided to buy from you. Mm. But if you are serving people through like, hey, here's my here's my free download of something that actually is valuable that you like could charge for, but you're offering it for free, like you're going to you're going to reach more people that way mm-hmm. and they're going to start to like trust you and like you and then they may like convert to like a, a purchasing client at some point. So, um, that, so like with that guide in mind, like that's probably something that I would at least at first just offer is like, Hey, here's something I want to serve you with. Get outside. My like kind of mantra is like, get out of your head and get outside. Like, so giving someone a a free way to do that is just kind of like, yeah, sure. It's a really good resource. Yeah. And Tim and I talk quite a bit of giving value first Mm -hmm. and then, The guy who uh, runs the nutrition company that I got certified in for coaching, he's all about like give such good value and so much of it that people have no choice but to buy from you eventually. Like if you just keep giving good value out, mm-hmm. then they're like, oh wow, this like they know what they're doing. Like they're gonna take care of me. Yeah, I want to buy what they can offer. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's a fantastic idea of hey, here's a little free guide here, a little free guide there, and maybe it takes you like a day or two to work it up. Right. Um, you know, pretty up a little bit, but then like, hey, this is free. Um, I, I think like I would look at it again. I don't know where to hike <laughs> Yeah. outside of Brown <laughs> County. I don't know where to go. And I think with those, with those things, like I guess speaking to other entrepreneurs now, like that guide for me would be so easy to make because – like I know all of that already. Right. It's just putting it on paper. And so if you're trying to figure out like what what can I offer my people, just think about what you know already mm-hmm. um, and use use that. Like another way I'm doing that is um, once a month I offer a guided mindfulness hike. Um, it's open to anyone. Um, right now I have it as like a a recommended five dollar donation. At some point, I will probably charge a little bit more, like actually charge for it. But um, it's just a way for me to like build relationships with people in the community. I'm able to show people good hidden like places to hike. Um, I can kind of teach them how to interact with the trail a little bit better. And then they have a skill that they can go and they can do on their own. And then if they really liked meeting me, um, and we like vibed well, then they might consider being a client if they ever needed counseling or something. Sure. That's awesome. And it's like, there's so many good things of being outside, like outside of just movement. I mean, the research on just being able to move, get up off the ground is, is astounding. But then you add sunlight, you get vitamin D, like, so your overall health, you're helping them with mental health and, and just clearing their, their headspace. Uh, there's so many other intangibles yeah. outside of just hiking that, uh, I think it's really great about your practice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, even just like fresh air is alone is so helpful. Um, 
And I think people are starting to recognize that more through the pandemic, like when people were just cooped up at home and didn't really have anything else to do. Like, that's the reason why the bike industry is like on fire. You can't buy a bike anywhere or bike parts. Or if you like go on Craigslist or something, I still use Craigslist. (laughs) 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 You know, you like go online and you try to buy like a used like bike part that normally you could get for like 70 bucks and it's marked up to like 200 because people are desperate for for bikes like people are getting outdoors and they're recognizing the value in it so I really it's funny because a lot of people ask me like oh did you come up with your outdoor counseling like because of the pandemic and I was just like no but it does work really well yeah right good timing yeah yeah uh anything about you know since you started your own practice Anything about entrepreneurship that maybe you didn't expect was going to happen? Um, Whether it was a a good happening, a bad happening, like, oh, I didn't know I'd have to think about this. Yeah. Um, Ironically enough, I would say it's, it can be very lonely, um, but I also have made, like, some of the best friends through it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, the, on the lonely side of it, like, you know, there's kind of this joke that like you leave your nine to five so you can work whenever you want. And then you work like 24 right. seven, uh, yep. at least, especially during like the building season, that is a reality. Like I'm working my part-time job that supplements my income while I'm building this and troubleshooting and just trying to like learn all that I can and, and grow and build. And, um, so that in itself can be lonely because I went from working on a team to working alone. Um, sometimes people who work a more of a traditional nine to five job also just don't understand like what you're going through. Right. Uh, people whose paychecks are just magically appearing in their bank account versus you like try to do all you can to get like half a paycheck and then you take another half of it and you have to put it you you reinvest it or you save it for taxes or you know all of that like you take a lot for granted in that nine to five like your paycheck's just delivered to you kind of um, lifestyle not Mm -hmm. that that's bad but like it's it's so different and and so sometimes I I think some of my peers don't quite understand like mm-hmm. the pressure and the stress that that I've chosen <laughs> right, but like right. that, that I'm living in so so that can be lonely um a little bit um I will say I'm I'm fortunate that my partner is also an entrepreneur and kind of in the same stage as me okay <laughs> so <laughs> everything is on fire always but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> But he understands. And so, um, yeah, that's been really fun because, like, one week I'm like, this is terrible. I'm going to go get a job somewhere right now. And then he's like, oh, but I just got a new lead. Like, it's fine. It's all going to work out. Keep yeah. going. And then Positive energy. Yeah. yeah. Meet <laughs> off each other. And then the other week it's totally flip-flopped or he's like, why did I do this? <laughs> and I'm like, it's going to work out. But so, yeah, that. But, but then – yeah, I um, I really have though made some really sweet connections with other entrepreneurs who are kind of in my similar industry, like other therapists that I've connected with, um, 
other um like I one of my really good friends her name's Sarah Gardner she's a sound bathing instructor um so she what is that so yeah. I got I have yeah. no idea what that means so, so once I describe it to you you'll be like oh so um it's a meditation practice that you would go to kind of like a yoga class but um she has these beautiful fancy bowls with like a special spoon mm-hmm. that they like circle around the edge of the bowl and it makes this what? beautiful sound and there's like wind chimes and different things and so it's it's really like using sound um to connect with your body mm-hmm. you would love it um i actually really wanted to connect you guys with sarah so um i think that'd awesome. be cool yeah, yeah there's a lot of really science awesome. between sound mm-hmm. and like water mm-hmm. and our bodies are mostly water mm-hmm. so there's i'm very yeah. fascinated yeah. yeah you sarah is incredible and um, I, I met her through my like part-time job. So I, I teach intro to bouldering at a rock climbing gym. Oh, cool. Um, Which gym you at? North Mass Boulder. Oh, nice. We're the trying to one. have yeah. them on the show. Yeah. 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 We reached out to them okay. like a week and a half ago. Oh, so. sweet. Come yeah. on guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, um, so Sarah, she teaches like all over Indy, but she does teach a class at North Mass. Um, so I met her there, um, and we've just become like really good friends. And she's been an awesome person for like I think for both of us um, to have each other to like bounce ideas off of. Because even though her work is different than mine, it's it's totally in the same realm of like alternative mental health care, basically. You know, so. Um, yeah, I while it it can be incredibly lonely and you're just like always doubting and wondering like was that like am I making the right progress or you're just constantly in your head um the people who are also in it who I've connected with have just become like the the dearest friends um and I feel like they get me and mm-hmm. I get them and the gift of like patience that they're able to give me that some of my other friends like they try but it's just not the same you know um it's just nice to be understood Mm -hmm. so um yeah I think that was one of the surprising things it's just like this is this is slow um it's a grind but I I have hope that like it's going to be worth it. I'm like so excited for that day when I mm-hmm. can look back and be like, wow, that like, uh, so someone told me that the first year of starting a business can feel like chewing glass. And I like a hundred percent agree with that. And that's, that's what, uh, that's what Alec and I will say to each other. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, this is a glass eating week. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> someone else, I just listened. Someone else said that, and they're like, yeah, it's like chewing glass blindfolded. Oh. Like, because yeah. you don't know it at first, and it's like, oh, shit, man, this hurts. Yeah. But yeah, entrepreneurship, it's true test of wills. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and uh, I'm sure you both had this, but I have people in my life where they'll tell me, hey, you need to, you need to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I say, you don't understand. Yes, I, I decided to do this. I can go get a job anytime I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. That's just not for me. But if I slow down, I don't make money. Yeah. If I don't do anything, nothing is getting done. It's because true. no one else is doing it for me. I don't have you know, some <clears throat> junior analyst or someone else to like, hey, can you take care of this? Like, No, I do everything. Yeah. As both of you do. You do everything. So 
if I slow down, that's got to be a very picky and choosy time. Yeah, um, absolutely. And my roommate is like, man, you are always doing something. I was like, dude, that's this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's like, you're always working. I was like, welcome to the club, dude. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's not for everybody either. Mm-hmm. It's like he likes his nine to five. Sure. I don't like that. He he wouldn't do what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a real test of wills because there have been some days where I'm like, man, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me just wake up. I'll clock in. I'll clock out. I'll get paid, and that's it. Yeah. It's like that's just. I'm like, no, re- reset. Go to the gym, and then I'll think, oh, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Another, oh, go ahead. No, you're, I, was just, I was agreeing. You're <laughs> Another thing, though, that has been really surprising and, and kind of like one of the most empowering things I've learned through this journey, though, is that if you, like, ask for what you want, like, truly, if you ask for what you want, like, you will get what you want. Like, mm-hmm. and that was something that, so I'm, I mean, you're meeting me now. I, I'm like fairly soft spoken. Um, for most you're of my I've been telling you to try to keep it down a little bit. Like, <laughs> please calm yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you wouldn't, be, like, you wouldn't believe it, but like two years ago, I was like, like, turn the volume knob down like a hundred notches, like, just very, like, timid shy, quiet, I would never tell you what I want. I would never ask you what I want. And through this entrepreneurial journey, I've learned that you kind of like have to do that. And so what I mean by that is like, well, even this show, for example, like I just emailed you and was just like, hey, I would kind of like to be on your show. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, you said you're the, those are our favorite types the, of guests. The family member inviting themselves over or something, or I, however yes, you said it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, either they will like this or they'll hate it. But like, you, when you ask for what you want, like you will, in some way or another, you will you will get what you want. And so, like, with the the Facebook pages, for example, like I just posted on the groups and was like, hey, someone on this page might be interested in the service that I offer. From there, like, yeah, I got a couple of potential, I got a couple of clients, but then from there, someone on that group messaged me and was like, hey, can I share about your practice on this other group that I have? Because I think this group would benefit from it. And I'm like, yes, please share it everywhere you can. So then they shared there. And then from that one, I got a phone call from another therapist who was like, hey, I, I am interested in referring a client to you. And then through that conversation, this person um, is connecting me with some other opportunities that aren't directly um, counseling, but other things in my wheelhouse that would really help me out in, in all of this work. And, and it all just goes back to being like, I want clients and I want these people to know about my services, so I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, yeah, uh, you just like have to tell people what you want because just like in relationships, like your partner can't read your mind, your potential clients can't read your mind, your potential, like your boss can't read your mind, your employers can't read your mind. Like, tell people what you want, and like that's how you get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Or it, like, 
going off that kind of something similar is like not only asking people for what you want, but at least like speaking it into existence so that yeah. you yourself hear it, like mm-hmm. the positive daily affirmations type of thing. Yeah, just sure. put, put it out there instead of keeping it inside and I feel like it makes you accountable to go do it. Totally. As well. Yeah. So, or follow through with it. So talk to us a little bit about your podcast. How far into it are you? How many episodes? How, how's it going? How do you how are you liking it? I love it. Uh, I I will say I have no background in like tech, audio, nothing like that. Neither do we. Neither I, yeah. did we. <laughs> <laughs> we're the farthest thing from that. It's, it's like there's so much to learn. Um, and that's what one thing that I love about it though. So um, my show, Switchback, an outdoor community podcast, um, the idea from it really was just like I've always wanted to have a podcast. Um, I thought it would be a fun way to connect with people, um, and I started noticing just in the outdoor world, so I spend a lot of time outdoors, not just in my work, but just personally recreating, and um, I noticed that it can be kind of exclusive, So, um, which is funny because a lot of people refer to the outdoors as like the great equalizer, like, oh, it's just outside, go outside, but... Um, that looks different for everyone um, from just like a skills and knowledge standpoint. So like you don't know where the best trails are or once you get there, you might not know how to read the trail map or um, you don't know what kind of gear would really be most beneficial. Um, so there's like a, a, a gap of knowledge there for some people and then there can also be a gap of access just due to representation in the outdoors. You go to a national park, it's mostly going to be white people like who have RVs or something. Um, so there's that. Um, or even like people with disabilities, like they can't necessarily just on a whim go outside. Like they have to prepare. They have to know where they can go that is going to be truly accessible to them. So um, I was just thinking about those things and thinking just in my personal life, like how can I be a better steward of my knowledge and my access to outdoor places? Um, And so the podcast was kind of my idea for that. So I, um, I invite guests on the show and we either have, I either invite guests who have like an interesting story um, about something they've done in the outdoors or someone who has like an expertise on something and I'm being mindful with the guests who I invite on that I I want to have good representation of the outdoors so trying to invite like um, diverse guests who also have better perspectives on things so for example like with leave no trace principles. So leave no trace is the idea that you want to leave the outdoor spaces better than you found them. So not leaving your trash or like if you have to poop in the woods, like digging the right kind of hole, that kind of stuff. Um, a like a person of color might have a different perspective on leave no trace principles than a white person because um, for a long time uh, the outdoors was kind of like exclusive to people of color and still can be in in many ways but so like leave no trace principles could have been used by people as a way to 
like get the black people camping down the road from them mm. kicked out of the campground or something oh, like that. Okay. So um, just for like an example. So I, I'm trying to have people with just like all kinds of perspectives come on and talk about things um, related to the outdoors. So I, um, it launched on November 1st. So right now, um, at the time of us recording this, there is a trailer and two episodes out. Um, later this week, another episode will come out. Um, and but like backlogged, I've got fourteen recorded. Oh, nice. So okay. I'm trying to take like a batch approach to it and just have like lots of episodes queued up or at least ready to be. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so this is bullshit because it says it's got a two-hour battery life, oh. and we're an hour five in, and I was 100% charged. So my patience with GoPro is very thin. Oh. <laughs> GoPro, yeah. get I'm, it I'm going to tag them for sure. I'm going to let them know I'm talking some smack. <laughs> I want a better machine. Yes. All right, sorry. No, Before GoPro rudely interrupted, uh, <laughs> you have, you're doing a batch system. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would like to just have like lots of episodes <clears> that I'm <throat> able to work with. Um, so that I can focus on all my other stuff I'm trying to do. Um, so yeah, I've got 14 episodes recorded. I think I've got, right now I've got like four more scheduled for this month. It's slowing down a little bit. I like really hit it hard in the beginning Mm -hmm. finding guests. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been so fun to figure out. Um, I really want the production level to be like very good so um yeah it's just like learning a lot about that um but it's been so fun that's awesome yeah we love it uh we should probably connect her with marquise and corbin sellers yeah for outdoor stuff we have some people that are super outdoorsy that i think would have a good time on your show so yeah we'll uh we'll give you their info afterwards um yeah if there's ever anything we can do to help podcast side um whether that's just like promote the show or hey, have a question on how you did this equipment wise mm-hmm. let us know we're not like pros but <laughs> we've done a few yeah. so i always tell people like hey i'm thinking about starting. i'm like dude i'll send you our whole equipment list like whatever Let's you see. need it's all priced out um yeah i never thought we'd learn as much about audio equipment and yeah. now video and so it's just oh how do i get my audio sound on my video so like it's not just gopro sound you're hearing it's like a conversation in an empty box uh so yeah it's there's so much to it as you're finding out but what do you guys do your editing in uh so our audio we use audacity Mm -hmm. and then video i was doing imovie i'll probably switch i'm going to try to learn uh adobe premiere pro uh, yeah, I saw a tutorial on that. I was like, that doesn't look too hard. I know Adobe is a little higher level mm-hmm. uh, for people that like studied this stuff. Um, but that looked pretty doable to me. So I'm probably going to switch it up. Just iMovie takes a lot of storage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so all of a sudden, like, I was on the phone with Apple last week. I was like, my, my computer shouldn't have this little storage. Yeah. Like, I'm doing video editing, but it should be maybe 10 gigs. But uh, yeah, so right now iMovie... Um, and then I use something called Levelator, okay. so it levels all the audio to mm-hmm. the same level. So if one person like laughs or something, mm-hmm. someone with their earbuds in doesn't get like smoked yes. by volume. <laughs> um, and then I have another program where I'll put the video and uh, audio together, mm-hmm. 
sync it up so then when we send video to guests or we do clips of it they hear the uh podcast audio while watching yeah so added a few more steps but video is fun for whatever reason people love watching podcasts my i love watching mm-hmm. podcasts I like, do too. watching joe rogan is so yeah. entertaining <laughs> like and he's got a sweet setup. We're still oh, we're yeah. working on our setup. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's got setup goals. Yeah, mine is like uh, in just like a, an extra bedroom in my house, but I have bunnies, um, so like pet bunnies. Okay, nice. So it's in the bunny room, and so a huge part of my like setup is if I'm having an in person guest, like cleaning the the room so it doesn't smell like rabbit poop. Or <laughs> Podcast prep. Yeah, and it I means usually have to, everybody. I have to yeah. like kick the bunnies out of the room so that they're not just making like you know rabbit sounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, have you done any in-person interviews mm-hmm. yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My first two interviews um, that are out right now, those were in person. Um, I think I've had like two or three more in person but a lot of them have been virtual just um with the nature of it being like outdoors people a lot of them are like doing van life or just out in the mountains somewhere where there's you know different access to things so so I will say like I myself identify as a climber and a mountain bike rider and a cyclist and like a backpacker those are my main things so as you can imagine, I have a lot of access to climbers. So trying to like diversify even just like the hobbies that are spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been trying to like get in touch with like some skiers and swimmers and you know just other sports that I don't really do. Um, and a lot of those people aren't here in Indiana. Mm, yeah. so, you know, we don't have surfing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love snowboard snowboarding. I grew up. Water skiing, snow skiing, snow That's like cool. all those types of things. I'm not like an expert, but uh, yeah, I go out west every year with my brother and dad, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll do it up. So that's sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think snow sports are really terrifying. Like I'm so <laughs> so scared. Like I would rather you mountain bike though. That's so much more dangerous. Like mountain biking uh, is legit cool. danger. If you would see me ski though. You would be like, oh no, that is way more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like last, was it last year? I used to, well, no, because of COVID. I, so I used to help shop around the ski club at the school that I worked at. Okay. And so we would go up to like Paoli Peaks or um, or no, um, Perfect North. We would okay, go to sure. Perfect North, and um, so I'm like, okay, I'm a chaperone, but I'm definitely more of a liability here. <laughs> and like. <laughs> I'm not kidding. One time, like, I was going down the, I've probably, like, one of the family level slopes. Like, it definitely was, like, a harder one for me. Um, and completely ate it. And, like, I crashed into that plastic fencing. Like, the, just like the, it looks like a barbed wire fence. Or not barbed wire. It looks like a chain link fence, but it's plastic. And I just, like, totally went into it and, like, tore it down. Like, Wow. I mean, and my skis both came off. Like, I do some damage out there. So yeah, I do some damage. <laughs> uh, I will not be doing ski therapy <laughs> for anyone interested. <laughs> it is a frustrating sport. I always tell people who are like, oh, I've never done it. We're just going to go. We're going to wing it. I was like, don't do that. Oh, like, take at least a morning lesson. Yeah. I always tell people because that oh, yeah. will get them so far 
so much further than if a friend who knows how to ski or snowboard tries to instruct. Like, no, they can't instruct. Yeah, the lesson instructors a lot. instruct. Yeah, like that's what they do. French fries and pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Old Keep faithful. it simple. Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, I guess like another idea with the podcast, I mean, like first and foremost, I just want it to be helpful for people and it's been like a really fun thing for me. But then I also hope to eventually like monetize it in some way and also be able to create an actual community out of it. So like the word community in the title, like that's there for a reason. So my hope is that like Let's say one of your barriers of access to outdoor rec is that you are like a five foot tall, a hundred pound like lady and you don't have any, anyone else to go backpacking with. And like, I'm not afraid to go alone, but some people are afraid to go alone. And so you could come to an event that we have where you can like make an adventure buddy friend and then like you guys can go backpacking together and and that's one less barrier for you um or yeah just if you're looking for outdoor community um because I think it can be hard to to make friends in like in an activity where other people's friend groups are already established like that's just hard. That's a part of life. Like yeah. joining hard. someone's circle. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm like one of those people where I'm not afraid to just walk up to someone and be like, Hey, I think that you seem really cool. Would you want to be friends? Like I literally do that to people. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it really turns people off and like makes them feel very weird. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, if you're not quite as like extroverted like that, um, it could be helpful for someone to facilitate those things. So wanting to offer that and wanting to offer like affordable and accessible trainings. So just things like what's the best way to pack a backpack um, yeah. or it'd be a great YouTube video too. Totally. Like, hey, what's in your hiking bag? Yeah. And like, how do you arrange it all? Or like, mm-hmm. like what is like the smart way to bury your poop in, in the ground? And like, I think that's a very useful thing to know. And yeah. Highly I would have never overlooked. thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Even if you're not a camper, like sometimes. Or like sand dunes. You're calls. climbing sand dunes in the summer. Like, you know, it's like, oh man, I swam all this way. Mm-hmm. There's no other option. Not that I like, know this from experience, but it's like, <laughs> wow, that boat is really far and I'm not going to make that. <laughs> like, that swim is not going to happen. Yeah. Water yeah. or sand? What would the earth prefer? <laughs> Nature calls sometimes and you just got to. Gotta go. So, yeah, that's that's the hope with the show. Really, is to just like equip people, um, decrease barriers, and like build up community. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. I like that. Well, we we really appreciate you reaching out. We love when people email us or or say, "Hey, I think so and so would be great," um, or just yeah, in, inviting yourself. And you know, we kind of do some research, check it out, and if it's gonna be a good fit, yeah, we'll we'll let it rip. So. Uh, yeah, thanks for hitting us up. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Uh, Tim, any other questions uh, before we kind of ask our, our final? Uh, yeah, I got one more. Um, going back to like the, the mental health mm-hmm. counseling piece, do you think to some degree like every person needs some type of mental health counseling mm-hmm. or like some whether it's with someone else like yourself or like by like figuring stuff out on their own or like talking to someone like you think everybody could use something like that even though like people are like 
oh, I'm good. Like everything in life is good right now. Like what's your, what's your opinion on that? I love that you asked that. So I tell people all the time, I think even if you're happy, you could benefit from therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like you, even if you're just meeting with someone to like further examine your life and like Mm -hmm. your viewpoints on certain things or just processing um impactful experiences you've had like you don't you don't have to have had like a traumatic childhood event to have also had like just impactful moments in your Mm -hmm. life and so um yeah I think everyone can benefit in one way or another from just like counseling Mm -hmm. um or um yeah, taking a step back and really like examining your life, um, right. and and just realizing like or not realizing, um, meeting yourself with curiosity mm-hmm. and really exploring like, wow, okay, I'm I'm 28, I am starting a business. Like, how did I get here? Why am I here? Where do I hope to go? Like, just examining your life and and developing a deeper understanding of yourself Mm -hmm. that alone is going to impact your other relationships like so profoundly like your your romantic relationships but also like the way you interact with your boss Mm -hmm. like if you understand like where you're coming from right like yeah so i would encourage anyone like you don't have to be sad to see a counselor. You don't have to have had this like traumatic thing happen to you. Um, you don't have you don't have to like struggle with like depression. Like anyone could benefit from seeing a counselor and um, just even for like a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, because like you never know when those conversations could like uncover something that maybe you've been like pushing to the side or mm-hmm. anything like that. So yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great question. That's one of my goals when I have a little more disposable mm-hmm. income is, is see a therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just, I know there's stuff, just stuff, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where it's not that I'm always so down, but uh, I have one buddy. He's like, I truly believe the happiest people in the world should talk to people, mm-hmm. like, yeah. talk to somebody. Um, even but, just further understanding, like, wow, why am I so happy? Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's how a emotions great thing. are made and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and, yeah. And just understanding, like, okay, these are the things that make me happy. Like, how can I have more of that in my life? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, Kelsey, we like to always end the show with a, a question we ask everybody, but we want to make sure that we address everything you want to cover. Mm-hmm. So, anything else you want to? touch on any other tips advice that you want to give before we kind of wrap things up at all here um there was like one thing within the realm of like education when we were having that conversation that i would want to add um to just go along with it i think um i have no so I think this will especially be helpful for anyone who has worked in education in the past, especially if that was like maybe their first job. Um, but because so I went, I were, I went into education straight from grad school. That really was like my first career, um, and it has really shaped my ability 
to, it has really shaped my perception on my value. Um, and it's something that I've really had to work through. And so, so for like, for example, with, um, with like my salary as a school counselor, I negotiated hard for that. Um, I mean, I negotiated hard for more than that, but what I got was because of my negotiation. Um, And so you come from a world where you're like begging for someone to tell you, yes, you're worth $24 an hour, (laughs) which is basically what 44,000 like comes down to, I think. Um, You're begging for someone to tell you you're worth that much. And then when you leave that and you go into like entrepreneurship, and you're working on something where you get to decide the the price of what you're offering, um, that was something really hard for me to work through because I was initially setting all of my pricing in accordance with a world where all of my clients work in education, basically. Mm. my Most of my clients are not going to be educators. I can tell you that. But like that was the world that my brain was so stuck in and it and i had to have like multiple people and they still have to remind me this like every week not everyone works in education like that's not normal most people make more money than that (laughs) like most people do (laughs) Uh, and so like you you need to like make your pricing like relevant to the real world And so I guess I just wanted to add that in there in that, like, that's been a huge learning curve for me is realizing, like, wow, when you you go from begging people to believe that you're worth $24 an hour, when you know that you're worth way more than that, like, uh, yeah, that can just, like, really really mess with your brain and so any anyone who whatever industry you're in like if you're if you're moving from one industry to another through your like entrepreneurial um, journey I would just like really encourage you and challenge you to like take yourself outside of that world that you were in Mm -hmm. and really like look around and assess like okay what is this new world that I'm like now operating in um and i think that will like open up a lot of opportunities yeah that's great perspective yeah Yeah, i'm glad you brought that up because there's so much money out there there's money everywhere and people have lots of it and and especially for a service like yours where it's you're not selling fidget spinners right right it's something for health in all facets Mm -hmm. where it, it provides a lot more value and you know, the more continued education you do, the more reps, like, okay, now your price goes up. Yeah. And that's something that you know, I've struggled with too is, okay, my price needs to go up. Other people are grandfathered in, but okay, I just got this other certification. Price has to go yes. up. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's so much money out there. Yeah. Like it's, and the hard part, we've had a conversation with a key salesperson, Tim Roberts, he's local. And he said, even when I was desperate for business, he said, I had to act like I wasn't desperate for their business. So, I don't need your business. He goes, even if you do, um, he's like, you just you can't act desperate because someone else, like you'll lose people with your prices mm-hmm. and you'll gain more people with your prices. It's just yeah. the natural way of, of how it's going to be. So I think that's a great point because, yeah, people get scared of, oh, man, are they, is this too much for them? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. 
find out. Yeah. Let them decide. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Kelsey, anything else you want to make sure we hit on before before we wrap things up here? I think that was it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that was a great point to to add. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, So what we like to ask everyone is, at the end, how they would like to be remembered. I know, Mm a little deep, philosophical ending, but how (laughs) how do you want to be remembered when it's all said and done? Yeah. Um... I actually have thought about this a lot. I, I feel like I think about this like on a weekly basis. But um, when it all comes down to it, I think that I want to be remembered as human. Um, and what I mean by that is I often have people like just say things to me like, wow, you've like done so many cool things. Like you're doing so many cool things. You you've like gone on these cool trips and you've like climbed in these cool places and just all this stuff and and that's true um but I think it can be really easy to forget that behind those like cool pictures and cool experiences and stuff that there's a real human there who is like experienced like real like good and hard things and and that's what like makes them who they are and so, like with my clients, I want them to remember me, yes, as someone who like helped them through their mental health issues or whatever. I want them to, to know that that's what I did, but I want them to remember me as like a relatable, real person. Because we all know what it's like to be like helped by someone who is just like a robot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not me. And so... I think with everything I do, like no matter how things take off, um, no matter what things evolve and grow into, I hope that I'm always presenting to people as like a human first and foremost. Um, And yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Love it. Well, Kelsey, thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for inviting yourself over. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, and I, and I think you have a very unique business that Definitely. is clearly helping a lot of people. So we appreciate the work you do. So, all right, everyone, thanks for hanging, thanks for listening. Until next time, we're out of here.